Welcome to another episode of Running for the Roses. The calendar has turned to October. Uh, leaves are changing color. They're falling. Pumpkin spice is everywhere. And it's spooky season uh, here, not only across the country, but also in the world of college football. I'm Ryan Baff Lucas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Lucas, it is a crisp 93 today in Arizona. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are getting some fall weather over there in Nashville. How are you? Uh, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very, very well. And I, I was going to ask, you, you mentioned leaves change color. Do, do cactus, do, do they, does that change color? No, cacti just kind of mold and die. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the least like visually, you know, pleasuring things to see. So that, absolutely not is the correct answer there. But uh, no, I, I'm happy you did ask that. This, uh, this past week was the first week we kind of got like fall like weather. It still gets in like the seventies here during the day, but like I woke up this morning, it was 49 degrees when I went out to go walk the dogs this morning. So it's wow, definitely getting that that crisp, cool air this Saturday. Um, uh, like when, when we're going to be watching some games, it's only supposed to be like 65, I think is the high here. So just like a quintessential, perfect fall weather day. So I'm very, very excited. About I that. love where I live. I love Arizona. Um, but fall is probably my favorite time of year. Like I love October, November and like into, into like December. And we just don't get that in Arizona. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely cooler. Like for us, that means no more triple digits. Like yeah. it'll be in like the low nine. I think so. ASU plays a day game against Washington this week. I think it's going to be like 91 degrees. Oh, it starts at one o'clock. It's going to be brutal. Uh, when, yeah, we don't get when that. When is the official clearance for ASU to play day games? It's a great it, question. October 1st, usually. It's a great question. I don't, can't recall ASU ever playing a day game before October. This even feels a little, um, a little quick. Um, but you know, like ASU predominantly with the exception of the game at Oklahoma state has played in that seven thirty Eastern window every single week, you know, last week at USC seven thirty ESPN the week before home against Utah, seven thirty ESPN Eastern Michigan, seven o'clock on pac 12. Like I get, they want to get some variety for the fans, but it, it is going to be a toasty one, uh, in, in, in Tempe this weekend. So, oh. all right, well, maybe, maybe you'll get like one of the 10 times during the year where you get a little bit of cloud coverage. That'll be great, man. Cloud cover. <laughs> a crazy storm here yesterday. My power was out for four hours right around Ooh. this time yesterday with some crazy wind and, and some rain across the valley. So it's uh, it'll be interesting. Um, all right. Lots to get to in the world of college football for the fourth straight week. A power five football coach has been fired for the fourth straight week. It is not Brian Harson who somehow is hanging on by a thread at Auburn. Wisconsin fires uh, Paul Christ, uh, sending some pretty big shockwaves around college football uh, on Sunday afternoon. We'll get into that. Before that, we'll give out our weekly roses. Then we'll talk a little Paul Christ in Wisconsin. We're going to play a game called This Week I Learned to recap week five of college football. And then we'll do a little week six preview, uh, including everyone's preseason game of the year going down this weekend. Of course, I mean TCU at Kansas, uh, where college game day will be uh, will be headed to Lawrence there. Um, all right, let's start with uh, our weekly roses. We skipped it last week because we uh, had a lot of stuff to make up. But we'll start with you, Lucas. Uh, your weekly rose this week uh, will go to. So uh, speaking of TCU, I am uh, giving out my weekly rose to their starting quarterback this past week, Max Duggan. 
Um, TCU just kind of crapped all over Oklahoma and their defense. This game never really was competitive. Um, and Max Duggan took advantage. Uh, it was 23-33 for 302 yards, three touchdowns, uh, even had 116 on the ground, um, including a 67-yard touchdown run where he basically went untouched um, the entire time. And a, a big win for TCU. Um, I was obviously a big fan. I took TCU win totals over five and a half, which they're already at four this week. I also picked them uh, in our Big 12 preview to go uh, to the uh, uh, Big 12 title game. And shit, I think you could maybe make an argument. They might be one of the favorites, not just to go now, but to win it, especially with Oklahoma now with two losses and with Texas still really not knowing there. But I am giving my rose to Max Duggan at TCU. Yeah, one of the craziest results uh, of the weekend. I didn't get a lot of eyes on TCU and Oklahoma, um, but you just would see the you know the live lookings and, and TCU's just scoring at will. They had over four hundred yards in the first half. Yeah, in that game, they put up fifty five points on Oklahoma. How about this, Lucas? Uh, we'll get a little bit into you know week six here later on in the pod. There are four matchups in the Big Twelve this weekend. One of them does not feature a ranked team. And that is Oklahoma and Texas. How crazy is that? The matchup of the week in the Big 12, despite Oklahoma and and, uh, and Texas, is Kansas and TCU in Lawrence. Just absolutely crazy. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It really is. It really is. The Big 12 is always a really fun, topsy-turvy league, especially with Texas kind of being in flux. And this year is absolutely uh, no, uh, no different. And you got to know that everyone besides Oklahoma and Texas in that conference just loves it because they're oh, yeah. like, yeah, screw you guys. Like you guys are leaving in you know, two or three years. We're going to be completely fine basically <laughs> without you. Um, uh, at least right now they are, but yeah, no, it's, it, it's awesome that I'll talk about it a little bit more on our uh, things that are this week. I learned, but um, yeah, the big 12 being as fun as it, as it normally is. Yeah. Always fun. All right, my weekly rose. It's gonna hurt uh, Lucas for for those they can't see it, but Lucas is wearing his uh, Wisconsin Badger shirt. I'm giving my weekly rose to Brett Bielema. Um, we talk a lot about Illinois on this pod, probably more than we should, considering they were five and seven last year, and and their win total was like four and a half this year, like whatever it was. But um, Brett Bielema has done wonders for that program. They are four and one. And a, a tremendous statement win for Illinois. They go into Camp Randall and and throttle Wisconsin, thirty four to ten. Um, they hold Wisconsin to two rushing yards. Braylon Allen only had eight carries for two yards. They intercept Graham Mertz twice in, in the first half. Chase Brown gets a hundred yards on that Wisconsin defense. Um, not just the Wisconsin game, but they look. They look competent. The defense with Ryan Walters looks really, really good. Um, and, you know, they're a, a kind of a blown game away. They they uh, they lost to Indiana week one by three points, a game they really dominated. They'd be 5-0 and if they didn't lose that game and maybe in the driver's seat in this Big Ten West. And I thought that was a nice hire for the fit, bringing Brett Bielema back to Champaign. I didn't expect this quite soon i mean no, i'm not people are are like i saw a reddit post that said oh you know illinois could be nine and one when they play you know michigan i'm not gonna go that far they have a couple tough games in a row they gotta go at northwestern they gotta play michigan state like it's it's i'm not gonna sit here and overreact here but brett bielma's done a really nice job in year two with that program 
Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think um, the fact that they're as competitive as they are just in year two, when you really have only had one recruiting class, you know, he inherited a lot of these players, but also making smart moves, you know, in the portal. I think Tommy DeVito, this was one of the worst passing teams in the country last year. And look, they're not going to be throwing for four, you know, three, 400 yards every game. But Tommy DeVito, I think, brought a veteran presence to that quarterback room and he's at least competent and he's not making terrible turnovers like that happened last year a lot with guys like Brandon Peters and, and Art Sitowski. So yeah, kudos to him. Uh, and by, and we'll get into a little bit. The funny thing about that game was if, if Paul Chris would have won, if Wisconsin would have won, Paul Chris would have tied Brett Bielema for second all time uh, in Wisconsin wins. And yeah. obviously we'll get into that, that, Looks like they'll never, they'll never be able to beat that. So, yeah. so it was it, kind of uh, a, an interesting way how that how that all transpired. Yeah, it's a uh, Paul Chris was the OC under Bielema. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. So obviously, very, very, um, I think mixed feelings for Brett Bielema going back to Madison, spot where he had so much success, and a spot I'm sure he's very close with a lot of people there, and especially Paul Chris, and then to be the coach that kind of effectively puts the nail in the coffin. So. Let's get uh, let's get right into it. I'm gonna let let uh, let Lucas speak most of this part of the show about Wisconsin firing Paul Chris, but really, uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I, you didn't see a lot of Paul Chris is on the hot seat preseason. Obviously, Wisconsin at at two and three, um, disappointing. And and we'll get into kind of what the last couple of seasons have been like for Wisconsin. But Paul Chris out at Wisconsin. Uh, Jim Leonard, the interim coach, he's their very well-respected and very highly uh, regarded defensive coordinator. So, Lucas, I will turn the floor over to you and and let you kind of take things where you want to take it here. I mean, who had uh, who? If you would have bet me that Paul Chris would get fired before Brian Harson at just, <laughs> just insane, man, just just insane. Um, and I I, it, I was shocked. So, just to kind of put you in my headspace, so Sunday. Um, we were at I, it was my girlfriend's birthday weekend. I'd watched a bit of the game on Saturday. I turned it off basically after the third quarter because it was it was just hard, hard and hard to watch. And I, I texted you and basically had said, I, "I'm going to say some stuff probably on the podcast um, because it was like this year had already been disappointing to a certain degree. Like they lost to a Washington State team that I don't think they really had any business losing to." Um, they obviously that the showing against Ohio state prime time where they just looked completely outgunned in every facet of the game. And, and to me, I'm just like, you know what? That's Ohio state. Like they're probably going to do that just about to everybody in the big 10, maybe outside of Michigan this year on their schedule. But there, there was stuff creeping up, but basically after the loss, I was like, whatever, now this is turning into, you know, are we going to go, is this seven and five? Is this six and six this year? So I'm basically, you know, Sunday night then, I'm watching the Packers. They go, they're just going into overtime. I got to drive my girlfriend and her friends to a, a concert. And all of a sudden, literally as I'm locking the door, my phone just blows up from, you know, guys I went to college with at UW, some just friends uh, from Wisconsin that are huge Badger fans. And I, I didn't believe it. I checked the Twitter. It was Adam Rittenberg that I think posted it. At first, I was just checking. I was reading the handle to see if it was maybe one of those, you know, fake yeah. 
accounts. Yeah. Um, but it happened. It was shocking. I, I thought, to me, I thought Chris at least deserved the time this year to see if they could, you know, improve or show something. And then maybe they finish six and six, seven, five. You give them next year, like, hey, now you're on the hot seat. Let's see what happens. But, you know, we have a new athletic director, Chris McIntosh, took over last year for Barry Alvarez. And I think he's more up up to speed with what kind of college athletics is right now. And I think, I mean, he even said in his press conference, this was not a decision just because of this season. This is, I was worried about what the next four to five years were going to look like. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, Jim Leonard very highly, you know, sought after. I think, you know, he last year turned down the defensive coordinating job for the, for the Packers. Um, there was rumors before Bielma took the Illinois job that, that Leonard was offered that job too for the head coaching position. And I think they knew what they had there. I think if it would have worked out perfectly, maybe Chris is there another three to four years, he steps down and then gives Jim Leonard maybe the reins there to keep continuity. Because you have to put this in perspective, this was the first time since 1989 Wisconsin fired a football coach. First time since 1995 they fired a football or men's basketball coach. Yes. Stan Van Gundy, shout out to him. He was the last. (laughs) No idea he was a Wisconsin coach. I thought that was one year. For one year, he uh, he was a Wisconsin basketball coach. But yeah, first time since 1989 when they fired Don Morton um, after a 1-10 in season. And uh, they obviously hired Barry Alvarez. Um, and kind of the rest is history, but yeah, I, it was shocking, but you can't argue with kind of the facts. I mean, since, since they're lat, they haven't been to the, the big 10 title game since 2019. Um, it looks like this will mark the first time that'll be three consecutive years that they're not there. Um, since their last one, their record altogether has only been 15 and 10, including only seven and eight in big 10 play. Um, you know, I think, you know, he was a kind of a victim of his own success. His first three years were awesome. I mean, we were we were a drive away in 2017 from from going to the college football playoff. And look, I'm not saying Wisconsin's standard should be should be that to think that you're going to be in the college football playoff every year. But I think the way that the Big Ten is set up right now, the expectation should be that you should pretty much be competing to be in Indy every year. And you know, it, it hurts too that he's an offensive guy, and the offense has been a big reason holding them back the last few years. And especially at the quarterback position, you bring in a guy like Graham Mertz, who is very highly touted, uh, was one of the top quarterback recruits in the country, and that hasn't worked out. And there's really no alternative. He made coaching changes to the offensive side of the ball, but there was also off the field issues. They had their three best recruiting classes ever under Paul Chris uh, from 19, 20, and 21, 21, they finished with the highest one ever. It was 15th in the country. And then the last two, and then all of a sudden their recruiting staff leaves and Chris basically waits like six months to fill a recruiting staff. And you look at the numbers last year, they finished 46 this year. They're on pace to finish 55th for a program that is continually ranked top 25. You're in a power five conference, especially in the big 10 that to me is just inexcusable. And the fact that it took so there didn't seem to be any urgency. Six months is an eternity in recruiting. And the fact you did not have a fully functioning staff. Um, and like I said, new AD, I think Chris McIntosh, unlike Barry, I love Barry Alvarez. I think he put kind of an artificial ceiling 
on this program. I don't think he ever thought they needed to invest the amount of money that Ohio State, you know, some of the, the guys you're competing, Michigan, Wisconsin doesn't even have uh, a full indoor facility. Their indoor facility is 80 in, yards. In Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. It's 80 yards. They can't even kick or punt in there because it, the roof is too short. And um, they don't even have an outdoor practice field. Um, they basically practice in the stadium. Yes. So the facilities are a little bit behind. And to me, but this is a move. You only make this if you feel like you're raising your standards. They're also uh, planning to, uh, I think next year, they're planning to start construction on a $300 million new facility that their new AD has been pushing really hard for. So I think there's stuff in there. Um, and like I said, it's just a different mindset. Barry Elvis, the AD, this doesn't happen, in my opinion, just because this was his guy. But I think Chris McIntosh, their athletic director, saw a need that this was not moving in the right direction, didn't really think it could get better, or basically if it did, it was basically saying seven and five, eight and four is not the standard here anymore. Like just going to bowl games is not the standard here anymore. We want to be competing. He even said we we expect to be competing for championships here. So I think it it's a different mindset. I'm the only reason I, I'm not excited about it just because I think Paul Chris is a great guy. I think he did a tremendous job here. It's just he just had a few bad years that you can't really recover from. But yeah, it's. Um, but I think the one thing is I, I I am looking forward to the game on Saturday, which I was not uh, a week or uh, after the loss to Illinois. Just to see what happens with with Jim Leonard. To me, this is his job to lose. Um, I don't think he needs to go, you know, six and one or five and two. I think if he can manage this, maybe get them to a bowl game, I think they're going to remove the interim tag. I think everyone in that building wants him to take full hold of this job. Um, but if not, I mean, we can go into, into coaching candidates. I, I really think it's down to two guys. I think it's Leonard. Yeah. And if it's not him, I think it's Lance Leipold um, because it just makes too much sense for, for both of those guys. Yeah, so a couple thoughts from me here. Obviously, Lucas is, is a lot more tied to that program than I am, and, and I thought you did a really good job kind of explaining. I had no idea why the how the facilities are so far behind and the recruiting stuff. So, it, it I mean, I appreciate you kind of bringing that here. Um, I think a couple of things kind of started to, to, to push Paul Christ out, if you will. I do think Jim Leonard's presence, the fact that he has been getting a lot of looks elsewhere – and the fact that you give him now seven games of a, of a trial run. And, and, and you're right. It's, I think assuming the wheels don't fall completely off and he's terrible, he probably gets this job. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, you had texted me like me, you know, I'm ready for him to be our, our dad Sweeney. Right. And yeah. so the guy's really, really well thought of one of, one of the best DCs in the country, a former Wisconsin player, a lot of time in the NFL. Um, and some, you know, new young blood, right? For sure. Now he's got to nail the offensive hire, whatever they do to bring in, right? The other thing is, is you know, people talk about the buyout, right? And and they say, well, if Wisconsin's going to fire a coach that has like a seven hundred winning percentage for sixteen million dollars, like we are in a a there, there's no putting anything back in the jar in college football, like it's it's free for all because Wisconsin, one of the more stable programs in the country, like they don't do this. But, you know, my thought is I think a lot of ADs are starting to realize that when you sense that it's going the wrong way, it is more it is more effective to just pull the plug quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. It's even might be more financially 
it might make more financial sense to pull the trigger and pay the larger buyout. Because, I mean, think about ASU. I mean, ASU, for some reason, keeps Herm Edwards an extra year. They throw this year away. And that could have been another year to increase your your fundraising, to get fans back on board, to bring in more students, right, or like whatever. Um, if you – I think ADs would rather fire a coach too quickly than too late. And, and listen, maybe it's it's better for the coach that way too. Paul Chris now doesn't have to see his name on hot seat, you know, stories next year or the rumblings on the message boards or like whatever it is. Like it, it might just be cleaner this way. Um, I I understand the people that say, man, if 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 you're gonna fire a coach that won all those games, like, you know, get ready to maybe have a a step back. But listen. It, it's a micro versus macro argument, right? Mm-hmm. In the macro, yeah, Paul Chris won all those games early in his tenure. He went to Big Ten Championship games. He went to a Rose Bowl. But, you know, look at where the program has been, off the field with, you know, recruiting and on the field. And and things just really, you know, weren't working. You weren't at that level. Northwestern won the division in 2020. Iowa won it last year. And you're probably not going to win it this year. It's probably going to be Minnesota, Iowa, or Illinois. So hey, you have to forget about Purdue there. Don't forget I forgot about Purdue. About Purdue. For about a 15-minute window, Northwestern led the Big Ten West. That's all I have. <laughs> Northwestern, with losses to Southern Illinois and Miami of Ohio, was leading the Big Ten West at one point yeah. with a 1-0 record. So technically, they're, every team besides Wisconsin is tied for first place in the Big Ten West Yes, at 1-1, one and, one, and yeah. we're the only team that's 0-2. Wisconsin's <laughs> a game back. Yeah. Northwestern this year and find itself like, you know, a game back with, you know, whatever. But um, this is the interesting thing about the job going over candidates. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a long list. I think it's Jim Leonard. I think it's Lance Leipold. I've seen the, the, the Matt Campbell's, the Dave Aranda, you know, Dave Aranda, former Wisconsin DC before he went to LSU. Um, you can't, you know, Sean Lewis at Kent state is a former Wisconsin tight end. Um, I don't think it gets there. Lance Leipold, I think, is going to be a fascinating, like, situation this year. Is he really happy at Kansas? Every coach says they're they're happy here. They, they you know, want to stay here their whole career, like, whatever. He just said that today. That was – he just he, had the dreaded, I'm, I'm happy here, I'm not going anywhere press conference today. Yeah, which eventually will get old takes exposed when he's being introduced <laughs> in, you know, early early December, whether it's at Nebraska, Wisconsin, or Georgia Tech. Like, what – like, whatever. Um. So, um, but, you know, I think a lot of people talk about, well, how good is this job, right? Is it, is it, I think people, from what I have read and seen, if you look at the five open power five jobs, Georgia Tech, Arizona State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and uh, who am I, what what am I forgetting? Um, Georgia Tech, Uh, Arizona, oh, Colorado, thank you. Colorado, yes. Um, I think Wisconsin and Nebraska are in a tier of uh, with themselves kind of at the top. And then I think Arizona State and then I think Colorado and Georgia Tech kind of in the, the in that last tier. How good of a job do you see Wisconsin as? And, and I kind of compare and contrast it to the Nebraska opening. So the, they're very, very similar in the fact that they're obviously they're, they're both in the Big Ten. Um, they're both in, in areas, maybe not the, not the greatest parts of the country to recruit from. You are going to have to recruit from a, a decently big uh, footprint. I think Wisconsin's recruiting footprint's a little bit better. At least you're close to Chicago. You're within at least driving distance from Ohio. 
Um, and they've had success getting guys, you know, from Florida and, and even sometimes in Texas. But um, I, I think it, it really depends. And I thought on the Cover 3 podcast, I thought Bud Elliott did a really good job kind of comparing the two. If, if Wisconsin is serious about being a football program, because I do think sometimes they have kind of sold themselves short. They don't spend money. They don't really, they don't show it in dollar signs. You know, that was, that was the main reason Brett Bielma left back in 2012 was um, he thought, he thought they were way too cheap on assistance. Now I think they have changed that. Jim Leonard's the highest paid defensive coordinator in the big 10. Um, he makes about a million and a half a year. Even Bobby Ingram, who was a first time OC is making a million dollars for Wisconsin this year. So I think, and like I mentioned, they have a $300-some million facility that looks like it's going to be um, starting construction next year. Um, so if they're willing to do that, I think Wisconsin's a top you know, 20-something job. You, I think the difference between Nebraska and Wisconsin, because you know Nebraska's going to pay. They're going to have all the resources. They have a really good NIL program that's really well-funded. But I think just the recent success. I mean, Wisconsin is not a rebuilding job if you, if you get there. Um, despite the record this year, I think there's a lot of talent still on this team. You know, seen won nine games last year. It's not like you're taking over. Um, I think with Nebraska, there's probably going to be a lot more program building and, and, and so forth. So I think you have that. I think there's more stability with Wisconsin. Um, you have a new AD that is going to hire you. And overall, they just have, they just have a really well-run athletic department just in general. Not that Nebraska doesn't. Um, but like I said, too, I think the recruiting area is a little bit there. And, you know, you have a lot to sell. I mean, Wisconsin's a, a really good university, which is rated a top 10 public university in the country. It's in a, one of the best college towns. I know I'm extremely biased, but it's also usually if you look at any chart, it's usually voted as one of the top college towns in the U.S. Um, and I think one issue, too, that, that comes up, we mentioned recruiting. Wisconsin does have slightly higher academic standards than a lot of power five schools. Um, numerous times I've seen in recruiting, especially under Gary Anderson, that was the reason he left um, where we saw guys couldn't qualify academically at Wisconsin and they'd go to Nebraska, Michigan state. So you even had, you know, it's even higher than a lot of other big 10 public schools. It's not Northwestern or, or Stanford high, but that can sometimes be an issue with certain head coaches if they, if they don't like the fact that they can't get every player that they want. So I think it, like I said, it's a top 20. And it's in the big 10 where you're, there's no reason a big 10 program should not spend a shitload of money to be perfectly fair. These programs starting next year with those new TV deals are going to be making 70, $80 million a year. Um, you know, you're going to be making more money than any other college football program. Where, where's that going to, you're not paying the players. So you might as well spend that money on, on staff, on facilities and everything like that. So I think they're very, very similar. I think if Wisconsin's all in um, and start kind of paying like other programs are willing to pay, I would just give the nod, nod to them because I think they're in a slightly better recruiting area and they just had more success where Nebraska hasn't made a bowl game in six years. Um, and you're probably going to have to have a huge overhaul of that complete roster as well. And I also kind of look at it like if if a, if two or three coaches in a row haven't worked out at a certain school, like at some point it's not the coaches, right? It's like if, if you've had three or four really bad relationships in a row, bad breakups, like maybe it's not – maybe your exes aren't all crazy. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, you know, you're right. Wisconsin has been the epitome of stability. I, when, when every job opens, Lucas, this is the hard thing for me. When every power five job opens, I always say, why can't you beat Wisconsin? So the, when the Wisconsin job opens, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm confused now. Cause I can't, <laughs> why can't you be like Wisconsin? Cause some of the, you know, like, um, so I would, uh, I would agree. Um, the NIL stuff, I get that that gives Nebraska a perceived advantage, but it hasn't given Nebraska an advantage on the field. Right. Yeah. And I'm sorry, like we're about to see A&M's roster get completely blown up and we'll get to them in a, in, in a, in a, you know, in a little bit, but like the NIL stuff, like in a couple of years, who knows what that even looks like? Yeah. Like, Maybe it's legal where the schools pay player salaries and the Big Ten pays all of its players a, a $50,000 a semester, like whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like it might not be the Wild West in two or three years. So I would agree with a lot of what you said. I, I think Wisconsin is now the best job available. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I, I, I would be I, I would not be surprised if it's not Jim Leonard, but I would I would be a little um, I would be a little surprised if it if it if it didn't end up being Jim Leonard. Yeah. So. Like, like I said, I think it would have to be like a, a pretty big collapse where they, yeah. you know, they're two and three now, if they finish like, let's say four and eight yeah. or something like that. Uh, so like I said, I think everyone wants him to succeed. Uh, so I think he can get the job. Like I said, he's, he's kind of, I don't want to say he's their version of Scott Frost because Scott Frost, obviously that didn't work out, but I mean, he, in the, it's in the way that I think, everyone is going to try to give him the benefit of the doubt because they want him to succeed. Like they, like their dream, I think Chris McIntosh's dream opportunity is to give him the head coaching job. Yeah. And I, you get to see how he handles it and if he's ready for it. So yeah. I think it's a win-win. All right. We're going to move on here and do a little week four, uh, week five recap. Uh, so the last couple of weeks, we've done a segment called stock up, stock down. We're going to switch things up this week. We're going to play a game called This Week I Learned. I'm going to start with that sentence, and then I will fill in the blank with a takeaway from week five of college football. I will go first as I created this game, and I can give Lucas a, a, <laughs> uh, a blueprint, not that it's exactly rocket science. Um, this week in college football, I learned that the Pac-12 is going to be a really fun conference the rest of the way. Uh, USC, or I'm sorry, so USC beats Arizona State. They stay undefeated. UCLA beats number 15, Washington at home, 40 to 32. They are now ranked 18th in the country. Utah uh, throttles Oregon State, 42-16. The Pac-12 has four teams ranked inside the top 18 and five teams ranked in the top 25. 20% of the top 25 is the the Pac-12, and you also have a 4-1 Washington State team. Um, I think this could be the Pac-12's best chance to get a playoff team. And what I mean by that is you have three teams in the South that look very good. USC uh, is 5-0, and UCLA is 5-0, and and Utah is 4-1. You also have three teams in the South that kind of are not very good, Colorado, ASU, and uh, Arizona. So I think there's a chance for those three teams to kind of beat up on the bottom three. And I think there's a, a decent chance that the Pac-12 champion, whether it's an undefeated USC, a one-loss Utah, a one-loss USC, you know, Oregon, I think, has looked pretty solid since beating, uh, since getting beat by Georgia. They got a win over BYU at home, win at Washington State. Um, I think the Pac-12 is pretty strong this year, and mm-hmm. it's it's a shame that two of those teams are going to leave 
after next year because I, I think this is a, a pretty strong Pac-12. I, I don't know where it fits in in terms of the conference hierarchy, if it's if it's third, if it's second. Um, but, you know, five ranked teams, you know, about halfway through the season isn't something to, uh, to slouch about. No, I, I completely agree. That was actually one of my one of my things I said. Uh, it's just the Pac-12 is just a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I was watching even, you know, UCLA Washington this past Friday. It was washed. I, we had no idea how good UCLA is. They had played basically nobody to that point and pretty much dominated Washington the entire game. And I think Washington is pretty dang good. Um, but yeah, you mentioned there are four to six. There are probably, you can make an argument from four, maybe five teams in here that have a realistic shot at winning the Pac-12. And you know, we'll probably talk about it in a little bit with some of the other, uh, like with the ACC and the Big Ten, where you know the Pac-12 is not doing division champs this year, which I love, and it's just going to make the race for it that much more entertaining um, because I think you're going to have, especially coming in November, uh, those same teams fighting for a shot to win the Pac-12, and yep. even some of your middle tier teams like Washington State, I think, is in a really good place. Oregon State, despite getting their doors blown off by Utah, I think is in a really good place right now. And, um, you know, in Arizona, even at the bottom of the league, I think there's, there's, I think there's something building there. So even the depth of the league is, is extremely good. Yep. All right. You're, uh, you're first this week. I learned. Um, so I think I learned that the big 10 West, not a shocker is a total crap shoot and Ooh. probably the worst division in college football. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying uh, to think. So you have the SEC East, the Pac-12 North and South, um, the Big 12 doesn't have divisions. So the, yeah, yeah. I guess the ACC Coastal maybe you the can ACC make. ACC Coastal would probably give it a run for its money. That would be an interesting, uh, uh, you know, chart to see. But I mean, so we thought, you know, kind of going in, you know, Minnesota, they had looked, they hadn't really played anybody, but just kind of had blown the doors off of everyone they had played. Then Purdue comes to town, just Purdue. Not known for a strong defensive front. Minnesota, known for a very good run game, holds them to 1.8 yards per carry. Meanwhile, Purdue on the other side averages 5.9 yards per carry against what's supposed to be a good Minnesota defense. Tanner Morgan looks like he did the last two years, those three picks. Meanwhile, we just talked about Wisconsin. They just fired their head coach. Iowa still can't move the ball at all. Um, you know, they scored 14 points this week, and that was, I believe, their second highest point total on offense this year yeah and you know we were talking about illinois and purdue might be the front runners in this damn thing and that could completely change all next week there's a six-way tie right now in that division for first yeah week. it it is it is something like I, I mean the big 10 west has kind of always been perceived as the worst division um typically you get a 10 and 2 or a 9 and 3 champion this year i have no idea what to expect the last half of the season man i i really don't um illinois plays iowa this week they play minnesota next week Minnesota, I get they were without Mo Mo Ibrahim, um, but that's a game you you really should win, especially if you hold Purdue to twenty points. I mean, it just yeah. I came away from that game thinking, man, how bad is Michigan State this year? My goodness, <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I get that Mo, you know, Mo Ibrahim is a big part of that Gopher offense, and they'd already lost Chris Autumn Bell for the year, but. You give up 34 at home to Minnesota. Like, they score 10 points the next week on Purdue. No, man, it is – I mean, I'm trying to think of who – I would still probably think Minnesota's the favorite at this point at 1-1, one and one, but I, I could see four or five teams. Legitimately, I could see I could see Illinois. I could see Minnesota. 
ABC Iowa, like, I don't know. I mean, right now, gun to your head, who is winning that division? Who who oh, is being sacrificed to Ohio State in 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 Indy the first week in, in December? Right now, I would this pains me. Right now, I'd probably have to say Illinois. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine saying that like this time last year when they were when they were losing to UTSA? I mean kudos to them. Like they turned around their season halfway through. Like last year, like they kicked Wisconsin's ass this week. Last year, Wisconsin beat them. We talked about last week on Todd 24-0. Ran for over 300 yards on them. And their defense basically completely changed after that game. And it's a large reason now they have a really good running game. Their front seven is actually pretty dang good. Um, and like I said, they have a competent quarterback with Tommy DeVito, which I did not think that was going to be the case uh, when he transferred over. So kudos to them. Like I said, last week I thought it was Minnesota. It's probably going to be someone completely different next week. Wisconsin could go on the road and just absolutely shitstorm on Northwestern 45-7. to And all of a sudden I'm hooked back in again. You're in, baby. So, <laughs> so oh, Chris was the problem. <laughs> so I have no idea, but you look at it like Illinois, you mentioned, should be 5-0. and Make the argument for Purdue. Like yeah. they lost that op- opening week game on a fi- final drive of the game against Penn State. They lose a brutal game against Syracuse where yeah. they basically gave PIs to Syracuse in a last-second touchdown. Two losses um, by seven points against yes. pretty good teams. A five and zero against two teams that, that are undefeated. Defeated, yes. So I think, um, yeah, they could they could certainly have, have an argument. It's just like, do I trust? I mean, but Purdue Purdue almost lost. I know Alan Connell's out. They almost lost FAU like just a couple weeks ago. They had to come back to to win that game in the fourth quarter. So yeah, it's not great. <laughs> so well, I if you're I just can't imagine if you're you know you're Penn State, you're you're Michigan this year, and you're just like, what the hell? Like why why is it that they get a chance to represent the Big Ten in the Big Ten title game? But like I said, this will probably be the last year they have divisions in the Big Ten. Um I know it will be they'll get rid of them in 2024, but uh I guess if the Big Ten West is going to go out, this is probably the the appropriate note for them to go. Honestly, out. a seven and five Illinois team playing Ohio State is just a, such a fitting way for the for the Big Ten to eliminate divisions. <laughs> <laughs> it would be such a fitting end to the Big Ten West for like a seven and five or eight and four Purdue or whatever to yeah to make the uh, the championship game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be one that gonna be a lot of tiebreakers, a lot of like who beat who or you know who plays who where. I, I know Minnesota, or I know uh, Illinois has home games against Iowa and Minnesota coming up. So the next two weeks will tell us a lot about Illinois. I mean, if they're mm-hmm. six and one or even five and two, I think it puts them in a really good spot um, with games at Nebraska, and uh, you got to play Purdue as well. So, all right, my next uh, this week, I learned. Uh, I think Oklahoma State's the best team in the Big Twelve, and and if if nothing else, I think they have an inside track now to the Big Twelve championship game. The Big Twelve, you know, like the Pac twelve like the Big Ten West, kind of a crapshoot right now. I mean, you have a ranked TCU team. You have a ranked uh, Kansas State team. You have a ranked Kansas team. And Oklahoma State right now, ranked ninth in the country. Um, they beat Baylor on the road. A game that they, they, they kind of controlled, I think, at one point up like 24-3. to three. Uh, They're really balanced on offense. They ran for 166, threw for 213. The defense looked really good in the first half, kind of shaky in the second half. 
But that's an impressive win at Baylor. Um, and now when you look at kind of the state of Oklahoma, the state of Texas, um, you know, listen, I would love to believe in Kansas and Lance Leipold that he gets them to the Big 12. Like, we just don't know. I mean, the Big 12 title game could be Kansas State, TCU, for all we know. Like, mm-hmm. who knows? But right now, I think Oklahoma State is, is starting to separate itself with Kansas, with TCU, as I think the elite of, uh, of the Big 12. Yeah, I agree. And I know that was also your pick to, uh, I believe, to go I did. to the uh, Big 12. Uh, did you have them winning it? I had, I think I had Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and I had Oklahoma State kind of uh, avenging their, you know, late loss to Baylor uh, to win the conference. Gotcha. I mean, I was a little bit worried with Oklahoma State when they gave up, you know, 44 points to Central Michigan in, uh, yeah. in week one. But, you know, like you said, their defense played well in the first half. They forced, you know, Blake Shippen into two fourth quarter interceptions that kind of helped seal the game for them. Um, no, they look really good. I think Spencer Sanders has also looked very good this year when that was kind of a, a question mark. We'll see. They have, you know, they have Texas Tech at home and then they, they go on the road to TCU who could potentially be undefeated if they're, if they're able to uh, knock off Kansas um, in this one. But I think it's hard, hard to argue. I think if you had to say, at least in my opinion, the top two teams right now in the Big 12, I think you would go Oklahoma State and TCU at either one or two in those in those spots. Uh, let's see here. Well, I think, I think I learned kind of that the third best team in the SEC might be right here in the state that I live in. Uh, it might be Tennessee. Vanderbilt. They didn't even play this week. <laughs> wow, Vanderbilt. Damn. Okay. <laughs> I said state, not city. Oh, gotcha. Big, uh, big contradiction right there. But, um, but no, we, we talked about AM got blown out after I read like three articles last week about how that win against Arkansas might might have been the thing that J- uh, Jimbo Fisher and that team needed. And they were basically pretty much the same against Mississippi State. They didn't score, I don't believe, until late in the third quarter. Um, and then it just got ugly in the second half. Um, a lot of turnovers. The offense is still just not existent, just not explosive. Um, just still disappointing. Um, Kentucky went down in an elevator at, at Ole Miss. Um, pretty brutal loss so, if you're a Kentucky fan. Thank though. you. That game was so maddening. Like, yeah, you know, Will Levis has the fumble that like maybe should have been targeting. He, he fumbles twice in that game. Yep. They have the game winning touchdown. They yes. they have the game winning touchdown and they get called for I think an illegal formation or like an illegal mm-hmm. shift. Illegal illegal shift. That's what. And it was, then. Yeah. Uh, what they, I think Will Levis fumbles and then their kicker missed, I think two extra points and a field goal. I mean, listen, credit to Ole Miss. Like Lane has that team, you know, five and oh, and top 10 in the country, but that's a game that like Kentucky probably should have won that game. But anyway, go on. But yeah, but anyways, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we kind of, I think it just kind of goes back to, you know, when we were previewing the SC, we, we said if Texas A&M is not the third best team in, the conference this year. It is an extremely disappointing year for them. And it it just continues. And now they got Alabama this week in Tuscaloosa. So at what remember we thought that was gonna be the game of the year coming back with all the the preseason hype and everything like that. And lo and behold, Kansas at TCU is probably a better game this week. Well than, uh, the, and the funny thing is so to, uh, so this week is an SEC doubleheader, right? You mm-hmm. have 
and the two games that CBS chose, right? So CBS gets, I think, two doubleheaders a season, one or two. And one of them is like a night game. So for the the 3.30 Eastern game, they picked Auburn and Georgia. And then for the the big, obviously, that was a no-brainer, like A&M versus, you know, Alabama, yes. obviously. You know, Jimbo Saban. You know. But you look at those games now, and Auburn is a 29.5-point underdog, and A&M is a 24-point dog. We don't even know if Bryce Young is going to play. I mean, if Bryce Young was not didn't get hurt against Arkansas, like A&M might be a 30-point dog too. Meanwhile, you have LSU and Tennessee playing in Death Valley at, at 11 a.m. local time, noon Eastern on ESPN. That, to me, is going to be the best game of the SEC. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but, like, it's just – it's strange to me. I mean, I get you want to see Georgia and get them on CBS, but, like, it's, yeah. Is that the oldest rivalry in the South? Auburn I and, so, and yeah. Georgia? Yeah. So Auburn just looks – anyway, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> get to see West here in a, in a second, but go ahead. Uh, no, and then, you know, the other team I thought, you know, Arkansas after just blowing just a brutal loss for them the week before, they they go um, Alabama. Looks like they're starting to um, – you know, Alabama gets up early. Bryce Young leaves the game. Arkansas makes a comeback. But, I mean, that Arkansas defense just is – it's just brutal. I mean, they just got absolutely gashed. Jameer Gibbs had over 200 yards rushing, 550 yards. So I don't even know where they're um, – where they're at. So it's, it's still interesting. We, I, you know, it, it, it's still, it's still uh, Georgia and Alabama and everyone and, and, and the rest, but I thought we'd see a team kind of emerge there. And it's kind of like a two or three team battle right now to see who's, who is actually behind them. Yeah. And again, like we'll touch on Tennessee LSU here in a bit, but like that Tennessee has, has a chance here. LSU somehow is ranked 25th in the country after beating just a terrible Auburn team. I have no idea why, but you know, kudos to them. Um, So Tennessee has, I mean, Tennessee has a chance to, to get another kind of quality win, right. In air quotes, quality win on the road in, in, uh, in Baton Rouge and never, never an easy place to play. Um, so I, I do think they have a chance. I, I think if Tennessee wins this weekend, they are they are the, the the slam dunk number three team, and you set yourself up for a game next week at home against Alabama, which will be a just a and really interesting Crazy. game, especially if if Bryce Young is is maybe not able to go. Nick Saban said he's day to day, but it is his throwing shoulder, which will be interesting. One of my takeaways, so I kind of like what I learned this week is, is I, I think there are going to be major changes in the SEC West here. Um, mostly focusing on Texas A&M. I mean, clearly they're going to have to figure something out with Jimbo. And I'm not saying they're going to pay his $95 million buyout. Although if there's one school to do it, it would be A&M. If there's one school to do it, it would be a and The I, oil prices are going up again. Right. So no, 100%. Gas is almost $4 a gallon here. They must be loving it. Um, I don't know if they can make Jimbo higher in OC, but I think that's where it, this is headed to. I wonder if a lot of that number one ranked recruiting class, especially those five-star receivers, are like, yeah, peace out. I'm going to go play for USC. I'm going to go play for Texas. I'm going to go play for you know someone else, Georgia, like whatever, Alabama. Because um, it's just not – it's just not working. I mean, you, I don't know how you lose by 18 in year, what, five at Mississippi State. I don't get it. I mean, the defense was supposed to be this, um, you know, the unit that they could rely on. And they gave up, I think, 166 rushing yards or like, they gave up like Mississippi State. 
Yeah, and it was one of like the top two or three rushing performances under Mike Leach. <laughs> yeah. How many five stars are on that defense? How many five stars are on that defensive line? Like a half dozen? At least $5 million worth. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's it's going to be the – I mean, they are going to go. So they are three and two, right? They're, they're three and two. They're going to play Alabama this week. They'll be three and three. And then you still got to play Ole Miss. Still got to play LSU. Still got to play Auburn. Still got to play Florida. I mean, there's at least two more losses there. You're probably going to go seven and five. I mean, forget eight and four. Like, you're going to go seven and five. I don't know how you justify that with the amount of money that they're putting into NIL, with the amount of money they're paying Jimbo. That is absolutely a catastrophic failure for AM. And you're already hearing rumblings that some of this top recruiting class are they're not going to stick around to fix this. Right? There's nothing tying them to AM besides the money they were paid to come to school. I'm sorry. It's not the relationship with the coaches. It's not College Station. It's I was about to say, Jimbo. yeah, Jimbo said they, they came there for uh, the play in College Station. Yeah, no, they, they came for the money, and the money isn't tied to, to College Station. I'll say that right now. So, uh, And then at Auburn, I mean, Auburn goes up 17 nothing on LSU. And, you know, you think to yourself, like, damn, Harson's going to do it again. Harson's going to gonna beat LSU. Maybe he's going to turn things around. And then, you know, Robbie Ashford turns the ball over a couple times. The offense looks completely lifeless in the second half. They give up 21 unanswered. They lose. I was expecting Harson to be fired then. I'm guessing they don't want to have a new coach for Georgia. My guess is it could come on maybe this Sunday. Um, Auburn, again, major changes in the SEC. That team... They ran the ball a little bit better against LSU, but they did not look very good at all. I was just saying, when's their when's their bye week? So they do have a bye week. So they play at Georgia um, this week, and then they play at Ole Miss, and then they have a bye before they host Arkansas. Maybe I don't know if he makes bad choices. I don't think those boosters are going to love being beat by probably forty five. Because no doubt, Georgia's going to be. This is the second game in a row Georgia has not played great. I mean, they almost lost on Saturday to Mizzou. Um, I think they're going to come out kind of guns a blazing, kind of like Nick Saban's Alabama does. When they lose, you bet, lay the points, whatever, the next week, because they're usually going to cover pretty thoroughly. Um, All right. Um, Do you want to do one more here uh, real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll touch on uh, next week? Yeah, I was just going to say, kind of speaking with the Big Ten, we talked about divisions, one of the worst. Uh, the ACC next year they they've already said they're they're getting rid of divisions next year and it's going to be I wish it was this year the things I learned is they're going to be a lot more fun without divisions because the best yeah. four teams in that division are in the ACC Atlantic and it sucks because it's pretty much already guaranteed now with Clemson beating NC State on Saturday that they're probably going to represent the Atlantic and we got or the Atlantic and we we got to see whoever the hell comes out of the coastal. Um, Kind of like the, the Big Ten West would not be shocked me if we see kind of like we did a few years ago we uh, where we have like a seven and five Pitt team Pitt who I thought became the favorite after seeing how Miami was playing lost in Middle Tennessee State they only lose to uh, Georgia Tech who just fired their head coach at home that is such an inex I mean Pitt every year has every a year, terrible last year, freaking loss they lost to Western Michigan last year at home. This year they got they had Kadon Slovis back for this game too, um, so you can't even make the excuse that maybe your backup played bad. Um, they lose to freaking Georgia Tech, a team. Look, Georgia Tech, we talk about this all the time. 
it feels like when you fire head coach, either the next game you're just awful because of all distractions and it didn't really matter, or maybe you do get a little bit of a lift and maybe the coach was the reason, but just inexcusable, especially when you're seeing the state of that division. Because right now, I don't think Miami's very good. You know, obviously, UNC's got a great offense. Their defense still can't stop a nosebleed. Um, but I, I just feel bad, once again, for, for Wake, who had a really nice bounce-back win against Florida State. Um, without divisions, this would have been, I feel like, once again, kind of like the Pac-12 is going to be this year, a really nice uh, kind of race towards the end to see who that, that spot behind Clemson was going to be. And I love that the Pac-12 just came out and said, yeah, we're not going to do divisions. Like, like we'll still have divisions for scheduling purposes, but – top two teams in the in the yeah. league will play each other. I, like, how easy is that? Like, why, why are we doing this? You know who leads the big the, – the ACC Coastal? Duke at 1-0. <laughs> Duke is 1-0. They throttle Virginia 38-17. to Duke and North Carolina are both 1-0. Miami hasn't played a conference game yet. Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech are both 1-1. Pitt's 0-1. And Virginia's 0-2. Yeah, I mean – Right now, I put my money on North Carolina, I think, at like an 8-4 and four kind of a season to uh, represent uh, the Coastal. But, yeah, it is. Would, um, would you even put Syracuse as a better team than yeah. anyone right now in the, in the Coastal? The ACC has four ranked teams. They're all in the Atlantic. That is wild. And they're four top 20. They have four teams in the top 22, three in the top 20, all of them in the same division. Yeah. And, unfortunately, you're right. Clemson already has the tiebreaker over Wake Forest tiebreak over NC State. So unless Clemson loses basically twice, which they're playing pretty well, I don't think they will. Um, it's going to be Clemson versus somebody. Yeah. So, um, And just a side note, you mentioned Duke leading the ACC. Like they beat Virginia. One, Virginia is just kind of a mess right now. Yeah. But Brennan Armstrong, you think he's going to be a, maybe the top, one of the top transfer quarterbacks? After this season, just kind oh, of yeah. how everything's unfolded. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing he still has eligibility left, but because I know he's been there a while. But, yeah. Yeah. He, you think yeah. he regrets not getting out of there? Uh, a little bit. They're, they, and I think this is kind of telling, too. So, obviously, they hire um, – uh, what was his name? Elliot from uh, – Mike Elko from A&M? Oh, no. no, 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 no uh, t- Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott from, from, uh, from, from Syracuse. I think it's kind of telling how – much I know Virginia lost. They had to replace their entire offensive line. They lost an All-American center to Michigan. But I think it's a little bit telling that Tony Elliott leaves Clemson. Their offense actually looks somewhat improved this year. And you go to Virginia that had one of the most explosive offenses in the country last year. Pretty much all your skilled players, your quarterback is back. And their offense just has regressed tremendously. So, yeah, if I'm Brennan Armstrong – I believe he had, I think he has one year left after this. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find your pastures <laughs> next year. For sure, man. All right, let's uh, transition into a little week six preview here. Um, I don't know if this is a week five game or a week six game. SMU plays UCF on Wednesday. Um, game rescheduled due to Hurricane Ian. Um, I don't, I think that qualifies as. ESPN technically has it as a week six game as the start of week six. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you basically gave week five became your buy in my opinion, or a semi buy week. I was actually surprised just like quickly that more games weren't really impacted. Like I watched wake Florida state and Tallahassee, no rain. I watched 
NC State, Clemson, and in South Carolina, no rain. Like I, yeah. barely, I mean, the games I guess were in the in the path were uh, you know postponed or or such. So, um, all right, I will go through some of the TV schedule and then we'll get Lucas's thoughts on some of the big games this week. As always, on Friday, a couple uh, we have one Power Five game on Friday. Nebraska visits Rutgers, seven o'clock Eastern on Power One. Nebraska wins and they are in first place in the Big Ten West. <laughs> We're going to be saying that a lot. So-and-so team wins. If Purdue beats Maryland, they are in sole possession of the Big Ten West. Um, you've also got some uh, – you got an American game, Houston and Memphis as well on ESPN2, and then a couple Mountain West games uh, in the uh, the nighttime slate. Oh, Colorado State, Nevada. That is just like uh, – That is a brutal, brutally bad game. brutal play. <laughs> Even though you do get to see UNLV. UNLV having their best year in – Having a really nice year. In a long time, yes. I'm going to really nice year. UNLV at San Jose State, 1030 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Saturday, October 8th, uh, Michigan has played every single game at noon. Uh, I feel bad. The, the game against Penn State next weekend is also a big noon kickoff. Michigan has their their last uh, their last four games in the Big Ten are on big noon kickoff, which is insane to me. Uh, Michigan at Indiana. Uh, noon Eastern on Fox, Tennessee at LSU on ESPN, TCU in Kansas. That's where game day will be. That's a noon kickoff on ESP on uh, FS1. Arkansas at Mississippi State on SEC Network, Texas and Oklahoma uh, on ABC. Moving to the 330 slate, Auburn at Georgia on CBS, Texas Tech at Oklahoma State on FS1. Really intriguing game in the Pac-12. Utah visits UCLA, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Wisconsin will try to kick off the maybe Jim Leonard era at Northwestern, 3.30 Eastern on Big Ten Network. Uh, moving to the uh, evening slate, uh, Clemson visits Boston College, 7.30 Eastern on ABC. Um, we have BYU at Notre Dame, 7.30 Eastern on NBC. Kansas State at Iowa State, 7.30 Eastern on ESPNU. Iowa visits Illinois. On the Big Ten Network, Texas A&M at Alabama, 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Florida State at NC State, 8 p.m. Eastern on the ACC Network. And then moving to the night slate, Fresno State at Boise State, 9.45 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Oregon State at Stanford, 11 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Lucas, a lot of intriguing matchups here as we kind of get into our full conference slate. What is standing out to you? I think kind of that, uh, once again, a pretty good 11 o'clock slate. Yeah. Um, 11 o'clock uh, Central Time. Slate. Central Time, excuse me. Uh, 12, uh, God's Time Zone. Um, <laughs> 11 a.m. here in Central Time. Um, obviously, Tennessee at LSU. We talked about how interesting of a game. Uh, that is Tennessee coming off of a bye. Having to go to Death Valley. Do they have a little bit of a look ahead with Alabama coming to Knoxville uh, the week after? TCU at Kansas, game day in Lawrence. Um, should be a great atmosphere. Uh, just the fact that Kansas is ranked this year. Um, they should have been ranked last week or the week before. Um, but just shows you just, I mean, this is a team that I think they had only won like five combined wins the last three seasons. Um, and now they're they're 5-0. and Um and the fact that like Texas, Oklahoma, we mentioned that it's kind of like the maybe the least. I think it's the 
at least rankings wise, it's like you mentioned, it's the only game in the Big 12 where it doesn't include a ranked team. But I am interested to see where those two teams go. Last year, um, this was a game Texas blew, what was it, like a 21 or 28 point lead? Yeah, Texas looked great in the first half, and Oklahoma just, I think that was the game that Spencer Rattler got benched for Kayla Williams. Yeah, for Kayla Williams. I believe that is correct. And, And after that, Texas, who was 4 1 going into that game, lost that game, and then they lost five straight after that. Yep. It basically teetered their whole season. Oklahoma, meanwhile, won every all the rest of their games until they lost at Bedlam uh, for the last game of the year. And these two programs are at a crossroads. You know, Oklahoma's coming off two straight losses where they didn't look particularly good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We don't know. I, I don't believe they've given a health update on Dylan Gabriel, who got knocked out of that game uh, against TCU. Quinn Ewers, too, right? Hasn't played since yes. Alabama. Hasn't played since Alabama. Um, there's rumors that he could be. Was that rumors or did they activate him this week? Well, he has, I believe, dressed the last two games. Like he traveled to Lubbock two weeks ago, just hasn't played. And then I believe it was Hudson Card last week, although I'm not 100% sure. Sure. So, yeah, so huge implications. It's still Red River. It's still going to be a hugely important game um, for both of those. I think just program trajectory wise, this is just. This is a hallmark game. Both of these two programs compare themselves directly to each other. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Um, even a matchup in the Big Ten, Purdue at Maryland. Um, this one, I, I believe I already have, will be one of my picks uh, towards the end. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah, we mentioned Purdue. Big Ten West is up for grabs. Purdue has looked pretty good. They're two losses by a combined seven points. Meanwhile, Maryland uh, has asserted themselves as maybe that fourth best team. In the Big Ten East, um, they beat Michigan State by two scores last week. Um, and this is another game if they want to show that they're making a, a big step under Mike Loxley. Um, you, know, you touched on you know kind of UC, Utah, UCLA, um, a massive game for both of those. Also, kudos last week. It was good to see more than 25,000 at the Rose Bowl last week um, yeah. for UCLA, Washington. It's, so, it, oh. it's kind of a big weekend in the Pac-12. Right. I mean, yeah. you have Utah at UCLA, USC host Washington State, who's four and one. Oregon goes on the road at Arizona. And I know it's, you know, different coaching staff, different regime, but that kind of has been a house of horrors for Oregon in the past. And then Oregon State has lost two straight. I mean, poor Oregon State, right? You start the year with uh, hosting USC, you lose by three. Then you go on the road to Salt Lake City, you get drubbed at Utah, they look to rebound and kind of keep themselves in, in somewhat of a race uh, at Stanford, which I think is kind of an interesting game. Um, and then Washington, who's still ranked, but, you know, suffers their first loss, goes at Arizona State. Washington has, I think they've lost their last five games in Tempe. Now, again, new mm-hmm. regime, new new coaching staff. Um, that's going to be a tough one for them. Hey, like we talked we, about earlier, 1 o'clock showed like a pulse against yeah. USC this week. Yep. Um, as you could argue as best they maybe have looked all season. Yep. 100%. Um, so I, I don't think it's necessary. And you mentioned it'll be a day game too. So, um, 90 something degrees, pretty warm. Uh, may have to battle the, uh, the elements for that. Um, let me see here. Um, Oh, another game. I'm not sure if you had mentioned it, but uh, BYU at Notre Dame. That's at Notre yeah. Dame. That is a neutral site um, in Vegas. Oh, it is a neutral um, site. Okay, I was wondering why. So Notre Dame is favored in that game by three and a half. 
which yes. I find very weird. But same. Um, but I mean, they have. I mean, they have looked better. They beat. You know, they walloped North Carolina in Chapel yeah. Hill. They, you know, they kind of survived against uh, Cal, and then they had a bye this past week. Um, you know, meanwhile, BYU kind of hung or had Utah State kind of hang around a little bit last week. Um, I was not happy. I took BYU minus 25 and a half. And yeah, <laughs> it was like a one possession game going into the fourth quarter. Um, but uh, I'll tell you and what, obviously we saw them when they went up against Oregon, they were clearly outmatched in that game. Yeah. So but. I'm interested to see uh, Florida State at NC State. That's eight o'clock Eastern on the ACC network. Florida State. It's pretty banged up. They suffered their first defeat of the year at home against Wake Forest. Um, and NC State, I believe, suffered their first loss as well against mm-hmm. Clemson. Um, those are two teams kind of looking to keep pace. And for Florida State, if they can get a win at NC State, that'd be a really big win for Mike Norvell. Um, Florida State's come down to earth a little bit uh, since the win over LSU and, and the win over Louisville. Um, but still a program kind of in the right direction. And this is a measuring stick game. Right. And it's weird to think about that. But, you know, Florida State loses to Wake Forest. And and I saw some of the dialogue after the game. And it's like, well, Wake's just a better program. And that's 100 percent true. It's just very weird to hear that (laughs) in a similar sense with NC State. Right. I mean, NC State's kind of the epitome of consistency in that division besides Clemson. Just a solid eight, nine win team. They're kind of like the Kentucky of the ACC. Um, So a chance for for uh, Florida State to kind of try to make a statement against a top 15 team. Um, on the road. I was going to say to you that comparison uh, also is kind of crazy to say to you because how consistent Kentucky is in the SEC now to say that, uh, yeah, NC State is the Kentucky of the ACC. Um, it's just kind of crazy also to hear. But Anything uh, else uh, catching your eye here before we move on to some picks? Uh, let me see here. Cool, cool. Uh, I think we covered... I think pretty How much many passing yards is Ohio State going to get on uh, Michigan State this weekend? Oh. Like, if I set the over-under for Bryce Young, not not Bryce Young, for C.J. Stroud passing yards at like 349 and a half. I mean, probably take like, I mean Tanner Morgan looked like freaking Trevor Lawrence did at Clemson against uh, Michigan State's defense. And then he goes up against Purdue and then just throws three interceptions during the game. It, it's not good. Um, I was going to say, if you do like points – North Carolina at Miami. I think I saw the over under was like 76 and a half. I think the last time I saw it. Um, you know, we obviously know North Carolina can score, can't stop a nosebleed, but Miami, they're coming off a bye, but their last game, they gave up 45 points and close to 600 yards of offense to Mill, Tennessee State. So, yeah. um, so if you like a lot of points, that could be the, the game you want. Um, I will say if you, uh, don't want to see a lot of points. You may want to tune into Northwestern uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin ten point favorites. Yeah, it was. Right. I mean, I just think it's because Northwestern just. I don't think it's very good, but Northwestern kind of hung with Penn State this past week, so they only lost. I think it was final score seventeen. Yeah, they lost by. That was another kind of intriguing one where you kind of expected Penn State to look a little better. Um, granted it was raining, it was very bad weather, but Northwestern yeah. kind of hung around and Hey, Northwestern tied for first place in the, in the division. So, um, <laughs> all right, let's, let's, uh, let's move on here. Start to wrap some, uh, wrap some things up here. Let's, let's do our, uh, our picks of the week. Um, 
Lucas, you had another solid week last week. Two and one uh, for you. Uh, I went one, one, and one. Um, so why don't we uh, why don't we start with you? Why don't you give us your uh, your uh, pick of the week? Whew, let me see my pick of the week. Oh, so uh, kind of going on a on trend. I mentioned um, Purdue, Maryland. I said that I had a pick in this game. My pick of the week is the over. The over is 59. Um, both of these teams have very capable quarterbacks that do like to throw the ball. Um, and both can put up points uh, when need be. Um, however, I mean, Purdue's defense did look better against Minnesota, as did Maryland's against Michigan State. Uh, Maryland does have a decent secondary, but I do think both these teams like to, to play at a good tempo. They like to, I mean, Purdue's going to throw it probably 80% of the time they have the ball. Um, so I like the under. I think this is a, like a 35-31 type of game. I mean, you, uh, you mean you like the over, correct? Like the over. The over, yes, 59. Uh, I am taking, I'm actually going to do a uh, an underdog for my pick of the week. I'm going to take North Carolina plus four. Uh, at, at, at Miami. I think North Carolina is a better team. Um, I know Miami's off a of bye week, but that program is struggling. They looked pretty poor on offense against Texas A&M, and Texas A&M has, has not looked great on defense ever since. And they looked pretty bad on defense against Middle Tennessee. Um, I think Drake May is going to throw the ball all over the field. I, I, I think Miami will be able to keep pace. I expect Tyler Van Dyke to have a big game because like we've talked about, North Carolina cannot stop anybody. Although the defense only gave up 10 points last week against Virginia Tech. So maybe they're on the right direction there. Um, but I like North Carolina plus four on, on the road. Um, I think they're, I don't really, I don't think Miami has a great home field advantage. So yeah, I think there'll be a lot of North Carolina fans making the trip. So mm-hmm. give me the Tar Heels. Plus four at Miami. Well, like uh, let's give our uh, let's give our lock of the week now. Why don't you go ahead and start? So my lock. Oh man, I'm gonna hate myself for this one. Uh, I'm going Friday night. You mentioned the only the only Power Five game uh, of the night, and I'm going with Nebraska minus three on in the uh, the crazy environment. That is uh, in Piscataway, New Jersey. Um, I just think they played a, a, a team that I think is similar to uh, two Rutgers in Indiana. They were able to win that by two scores. Um, I just trust their offense a lot more. Um, I know their defense is is not good, but Rutgers is. I mean, argue, you could argue with them in in Iowa as having the worst offenses in in the Big Ten. So I think. They get a breather from that. I think, um, yeah, I just like Nebraska more than a field goal. Uh, and I, I will take the Corn Huskers, which that's always a risky proposition. But, um, yeah, I'm just not very high on Rutgers, <laughs> I think, is more the, more the fair point. Boy, Nebraska as a road favorite. Short favorite, but a, a road favorite. You are uh, good for you. Good for you, man. That is, a, that is, a, that is an interesting pick. Um, all right, I'm also going to go with a slight road favorite. I'm going to take Tennessee minus two and a half at LSU. Um, I don't like LSU's offense. I don't think they can throw the ball. They cannot get the ball to Kayshawn Booty. They cannot get the ball to their star receivers. They have a hard time running the ball if it's not Jane Daniels taking off and scrambling when plays break down. Um, Tennessee's super explosive. 
Um, they throw the ball around. Hendon Hooker quietly is is maybe the second or third best quarterback in the in the uh, the SEC. Not draft prospect or, or anything like that. Just college quarterback. Hendon Hooker is is so good in that system. Um, now could say it's a slight look ahead game um, as uh, Tennessee hosts Alabama next week, but. I think anytime you go into Death Valley, it's not a look-ahead game. I also like the fact this is an 11 a.m. local kickoff and mm-hmm. not like a night game in in Death Valley. I actually think that probably – like the line would probably be closer to a pick if it were a night game. I truly think the home field advantage is that good for LSU. But I think Tennessee, uh, I'm getting a below field goal. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna take Tennessee minus 2.5 um, at LSU. I like that. Uh, why don't you uh, wrap it up with your upset of the week? Upset. We kind of touched on this. We might have the same one. I don't know by by your reaction, um, but I'm taking BYU plus uh, plus three and a half. Um, once again, it's a neutral site, so it's not at Notre Dame. And I don't know. I just have liked you know. To me, it's you know, who do you trust better? Do you trust Darren Hall or do you trust either, whether it's Drew Pine or or Tyler Buckner more? And I'm going to take. Uh, Jaron Hall, I think this is going to be a game specifically for BYU um, that I think both teams will be excited to play it. But I think this is a, this is a game for BYU for them to, especially, you know, they, they kind of dropped the ball against Oregon. This is another power five-esque like type opponent. And I think they're going to get up and really game plan for this game. So I'm going to take BYU plus three and a half. All right, so I thought about that one, and I might end up betting that one. I actually already have a lot of bets for some underdogs this week. Um, I'm going to take Arizona State plus 14 against uh, I'm going to take Arizona State plus against Washington. I like the way ASU played against USC. They were competitive. They lost by 17, I believe. They were down by four at halftime. Washington, I'm not sure I'm sold on how good they are. Um, I don't think Michigan State's very good, and that's kind of their signature win. They were pretty competitive against, you know, UCLA in the Rose Bowl. I think the heat's going to get to them. I mean, this is a team that is not used to practicing and playing in this heat. It's going to be 90 degrees um, at kickoff. Maybe I'm wrong, and we get some cloud cover and some some rain. That would be fitting if Washington comes in here, and I bet them because of the weather, and it doesn't happen. But um, I, I'm trying not to buy – too much into Sean Aguano, the interim coach for ASU, and drink the Kool-Aid. I like a lot of the things he's doing off the field, and I don't think this team has quit. I think this team is still playing somewhat hard. I think they'll compete, and I think they have a chance to to get one um, against Washington. And when I, I thought about betting ASU when I read some of the numbers of Washington's struggles in Tempe and when I knew it was going to be an afternoon game. I thought the line would be closer to 10, um, but, you know, Washington getting, you know, Washington giving 14 points on the road. I, I, I think ASU is better than that. So I'm going to take ASU plus 14 as my pick of the week. Uh, real quick, just to recap everyone on last week, I uh, went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. I lost Georgia minus 28. I won Kansas plus 3.5. I pushed Illinois, Wisconsin under 44. Funny story about that. I have two pushes on the season. They are both Illinois unders, and the number was 44 both times. <laughs> Just very strange. I had week zero, Nebraska. I had uh, Wyoming, Illinois under 
44, and that also pushed as well. For the season, I am seven, nine, and two. Lucas just keeps having winning weeks. He's he's had every he's been at least two and one every week. He's 13 and five on the season. Uh he missed on the Wisconsin minus six and a half against Illinois. He did hit Kentucky plus six and a half at Ole Miss and Michigan minus ten and a half at Iowa. Lucas, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh um, yeah, I mean just once again, just another great uh week of college football. I think we're getting to the point um, of the season, you know, we're five, you know, with some teams six games in, you're starting to get an idea of the identity of some of these teams. Um, and the ones that don't have an identity are usually the ones that are right now two and three, you know, fire their head coach after five games and, and, uh, and move forward. But uh, imagine um, that. Imagine, imagine that. firing their coach before October. <laughs> or like, October. No, I mean, I think, and that's and that's kind of the fun thing of the season is you have stuff like that that unpredictably does happen, and uh, but then we also have awesome stuff like Kansas being five and zero, Syracuse being five and zero. So I'm excited. I'm probably going to wake up early to watch game day to see what I don't even know the last time game day was in Lawrence, Kansas. I, think I don't think it's ever been in Kansas. I don't think it's ever. Um, been. There, there are a handful of Power Five teams it's never been at. I think Kansas is one of them. One, which makes sense. They haven't been relevant for better part of like 15 years. So um, I think that's just going to be an awesome atmosphere there. I was reading even online that the, the, this, their highest growth in ticket sales they've ever had in a season at, uh, at Kansas. It's just uh, really, really cool what they're doing there. And I hope they can maintain it, but um, no, looking forward to this set of games. Um, I'm also excited. I'm going to be at an Oktoberfest celebration on Saturday too, while I'm watching some of these games. So uh, I'm sure I'll have plenty of thoughts um, uh, about it on Saturday. Let's go. All right. Let's <laughs> go. All right. That'll wrap it up for us. Subscribe to the podcast or wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Running for Roses. For Lucas Rody, I'm Ryan Baffle Lucas. Have a great night, everyone, and stay frosty.